Vegas Nation, presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. Who knows, maybe Hard Knocks will come and cover that. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? What I think it does, it just it opens up the world to, to show us who we really are. AB, he's a character. Derek Carr is a character. So I just think it's, it's exciting for people to see what type of team we have. The reason you go away to training camp is to get away from all the distractions. Hard Knocks is an intrusion. It was handed to us, so it's up to us to deal with it. Hey everyone, it's Heidi Fang here along with our former Raiders cornerback Stan Rout who is joining the Vegas Nation Hard Knocks podcast tonight. We are brought to you by STN Sports Mobile Stations Casino. Make sure to subscribe to the Vegas Nation podcast at VegasNation.com and download that Vegas Nation app to follow all things silver and black. You can also find us on ReviewJournal.com slash podcast or anywhere else you download your shows from. Drop us a comment. Let us know what you think. Give us that feedback. We always love hearing it. So it was a big day for Raider Nation today, being a Tuesday. Antonio Brown showed up to practice, wore a helmet, and Hard Knocks has covered all of that drama. It looks to me like Antonio Brown is all in, but I think this episode should leave no doubt with Raider fans that Antonio Brown is with them. Stan, what did you take away from this episode and Antonio Brown being featured in it? Is he set to come back with this team? Uh, I pretty much took away from it that uh, it's pretty much kind of like what I thought it was or what I thought it would be. Obviously, uh, they made sure to feature him a lot, among other players, but probably uh, him in the more prominent role. And I think that everything that I've seen out of Antonio Brown thus far over the last couple of years, it pretty much all syncs up. I think that if everything goes well with this grievance uh, hearing that he's supposed to have on Friday, I believe, I think that he will be all in. I think that if it comes out where he now has to find another helmet that he has to use, I think that this still may, this still may be some bumps in the road on the horizon for uh, that team with Mike Mayock, with John Gruden, of just him being frustrated with the situation of simply not getting his way. Now, right, wrong, or indifferent by the NFL, that's the rules. And that's something you're either going to have to abide by or you simply won't be playing football. So I don't think that this story is over. Oh, tell me about helmets, Stan. As a former player, seriously, like how important is it to be comfortable in that helmet? And how much difference is there in between different helmets? Well, for one, to play the sport of football, like basketball or baseball, professional athletes are highly superstitious. And you do want to be comfortable. That's just that's just the nature of the business. You're out there moving at lightning speed. It's a car wreck every single play. And your entire career is predicated on how you play. That's how you de- that's how they decide if they want to bring you back for another year. If you're going to go ahead and get that large lump sum of a salary the following year, if they're going to give you a long term deal or if they're just going to go ahead and cut you. So as a player, you want to be comfortable. That's no doubt. And I do believe that Antonio Brown does have a an actual righteous gripe as far as him wanting to have the helmet that he's been having. There aren't many places that I can think of where in your 20s, maybe your 30s once you're established, but in your 20s where you were able to go to work wearing flip-flops and sweatpants. Cause that's what football players wear when they go to work. There's no place I know of 
legally that you can go to work in flip-flops and sweatpants and make not seven, but eight figures a year while only working about half the year legally. There's no place I know of. So until that is a different status quo, as a player, you got to do what they tell you if you want to go ahead and continue to collect those checks. Something that I really liked, Stan, was that Mike Mayock's message to Antonio Brown. He put that out there uh, with reporters and said that he was not messing around anymore. He got this message out and said, okay, Antonio, there's 89 guys out here busting their tail. Are you going to join us or not? Uh, how much do you think that message sent from Mike Mayock had any influence on Antonio Brown in taking it serious enough to get back to this team? Oh, that was definitely a shot across the bow. No question, because they obviously they traded for Antonio Brown, Mike Mayock, and John Gruden. They both are big fans. We can clearly see that. And everything was all great back in March. They traded for him. They got their new shiny toy, gave him a, a nice contract extension to boot. So everything's all good. April, everything's fine. May, everything's fine. June, July, everything's fine. Then all of a sudden, it comes up with the frostbite on the feet type uh, issue mm -hmm. for the cryotherapy, not wearing the protective uh, clothing, things like that. That all, that all That's number one. Okay, you know what? Mistakes happen. It is what it is. It looks like he should be fine to go by the regular season. Now, here we go. We see the helmet issue, which if you can tell from listening to John Gruden talk during the episode of Hard Knock, where this issue started back in March, where they were trying to find a new helmet. Uh, per se. So it went from cryotherapy, frostbitten feet, he can't practice because the skin has to go ahead and fall off the foot. So now it's okay, you know what? The helmet issue. Now, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, they've had the helmet issue as well. Neither one of them has missed practice. Obviously, they missed, uh, they haven't played much in the preseason because star quarterbacks, they don't really need the work. So you go ahead and sit them out. But it's not because of a helmet issue. And I think that for Mike Mayock, obviously, he loves Antonio Brown. He traded for him and he gave him a new contract. We all see that. Mm -hmm. But your boss is only going to support you and ride with you for so long before now. Okay. It just becomes an issue. Like, I signed you. I traded for you. I like you. But I'm only going to bend so far. And I think for Antonio Brown, and this is something that you notice even with Ali back uh, in, in, the, in the episode uh, two weeks ago, the first one where they cut him. Just because you're hurt does not mean you can't show up to treatment. Well, Antonio Brown, just because you're going through this issue with the helmet in the NFL does not mean that you're supposed to essentially be AWOL from practice where you don't even show up and they don't know where you are. You could just be over there watching it from the sideline. But he just is, he's leaving. He's going AWOL. That's something that as a GM, as a head coach, that's going to run them hot because at least you can be here. Because at the end of the day, coaches are control freaks. That's why in the offseason when it's voluntary workout and it's not mandatory, right. they still want you there. They knew coming into this there were going to be some issues. I really firmly believe that unless – and if that's the case, if that's not the case, Mike Mayock and John Gruden clearly aren't doing their job if they really believed that there weren't going to be any issues. So I think that they were aware of that. I just think that they did not see it coming this quickly. Like, we haven't even been to the third preseason game yet, mm -hmm. which is essentially the dress rehearsal for the regular season. 
and it's already been two issues with the uh, frostbitten foot and I'm sorry, the frostbitten the frostbitten feet and now this helmet issue. So I think for Mike Mayock, his patience is clearly running thin. Maybe not as much as John Gruden, but for Mike Mayock, it, it's essentially running thin, and it's more so from the lack of professionalism. Like even though you're not practicing, you can still be at practice because. I don't care what anybody is saying on camera, on that team, that, yes, they're getting to a point where it's like, okay, you know what? I get it. I support you. You're going through this issue with the helmet and the NFL. I get that. But you still can be here for your brother. But to simply not be here at all, that shows a lack of respect for your teammates. And guys are going to say the right thing on camera. They are. I can promise you on that. But – Behind closed doors in that locker room, or in the uh, in the in the uh, in the in the in the bedrooms in the hotel, whenever the guys get together and kind of go ahead and you know just talk amongst themselves after meetings are over with every night. Trust me, that is definitely being said where somebody is actually having an issue with him simply not showing up because they look at that as you not really being all the way in. Hence, what Mike Mayock said: Are you in or are you out? And that was something I was going to ask you, uh, you just touched on it, was although we're not seeing it on camera, how much does something like this start to drive a wedge between the team? And, and you just touched on it. And it's interesting because there are players here that have had a pass with Antonio Brown. You have a guy like Vontez Perfect who's had a pass with Antonio Brown. So you have to wonder you know, how much of that does carry over. He, who might have a problem with it? You know, there's these guys working to be on that 53-man roster that are there every day putting in the work. How much does that start to within those ranks with people who are just on that bubble to make the team. Uh, and I think Hard Knocks has even spent a lot of the time covering the Raiders, whereas in the past um, with other teams, we've seen Hard Knocks touch on bubble guys or tell the backstories of somebody. We still haven't even seen Josh Jacobs except for in background shots, really. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, we, know, yeah, so much has been spent on this Antonio Brown story. Do you think at all that, for one, you just touched on the teammates and um, how how it might be affecting them. But do you think as a viewer of Hard Knocks, let's say we're not invested in the Raiders so much, that for all these people wanting to learn about the Raiders, that Antonio Brown is taking away from their experience too. Just, you know, dealing with all this drama and not seeing so much of the other guys in these backstories that makes Hard Knocks so interesting. Yes. Um, and like I said, you pretty much hit it right on the head. How do you hit that? You have 53 men on a roster in the NFL during the regular season. You have 89 on the roster during the preseason training camp, things like that. You have 89 men. Let me go ahead and just break this all the way down. You have 89 men. Now, as men, we all come, we all come from different walks of life. Some of us come from a uh, humble background. Some of us come from well-to-do background. Some of us come from the East, the West, the North, the South, the Midwest, all of that. We all come from different areas, different places, all of that. The one thing I can tell you among athletes and men just in general, all men have a little bit of an ego. All of them do. All men have a little bit of pride. Some not as much as others, but all men have a little bit of ego and a little bit of pride. And I stopped playing and I stopped playing after the 2012 season. If there is not one person on the Oakland Raiders roster that has an issue with not Antonio Brown's talent, not his production, 
but an issue with his approach to the game with how pretty much he is going AWOL whenever he doesn't have to practice because he's still dealing with these issues. That, that would be the first time in history that you would have a team full of men on it, whether it be preseason, training camp, or regular season, where there's not one man on that roster that does not have an issue. Now, if does that man have enough cachet within the team and within the league and within the media to actually speak on it and not be ridiculed or excoriated? That's a different topic. But there would be this would be the first time in history that if there was not one man on that team that did not have an issue with any of this, it'd be the first time in history. This episode of Vegas Nation will be right back. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. Let's talk about some of these other 89 men that are trying to make this roster guys who could stand out people who are on the bubble the first one I want to get into as far as their story is Darren Waller the tight end I think he could be a breakout candidate for this season for this team he's somebody that is such a big body and has so much speed he's going to cause problems for cornerbacks and safeties and the linebackers that can't catch up to him I can just envision the different mismatches happening on the field that'll create openings for Darren Waller. And his story is one that is just so gripping. He served two suspensions under the NFL substance abuse policy, and the second of which lasted a year. He admitted that he had been a user since the age of 16. He's now been clean for two years. We're seeing the transformation in him on this team, the work ethic, what he's putting in. I mean, I had read, I believe it was um, in a Bay Area, I want to say the Mercury News, that he had taken pills that were laced with fentanyl, and uh, he sat in his car for five hours contemplating what was going to happen to him, thinking that he could possibly die. It led him to call his father, which led to him getting put in rehab. So when you think about that and how far he's come, how compelling is this story and him making this team and possibly filling in those shoes, those big shoes that Jared Cook had as a tight end being the leading receiver on this team just last year? Yeah, I think it's just nothing short of amazing. And I think it shows that football for a lot of people can be an outlet for so much that may go on in our lives off camera, off the field. And that story, when I watched it, was very touching because I've been around players that have literally had substance abuse problems, going through some sort of mental illness, and with a lot of it going through something that may have happened in their childhood, just in their upbringing, adolescent period. And I think for him to get clean, and for I believe it's what, he's been now two years clean, what was it, August 12th or August yep. 13th, he said? Yep. I think that I think this is a testament that you can always turn your life around. Um, I don't think that anything is ever so bad where – you now are past the point of no return. And a lot of times it just comes down to somebody believing in you, somebody giving you a chance, and then you actually realizing the purpose that you have on this planet and just for you as a man. And I can see for Waller, he wants it again. He's now realizing that he doesn't have that self-hatred that he appeared to have when he was with the Baltimore Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens with the self-sabotage. And I love it. I think that he's got a bright future ahead of him. 
I think he's obviously got to make sure that he stays on the straight and narrow because the NFL, not for long, they don't really play too much with the substance abuse violations, things like that. But I think that he's got a bright future ahead of him, and I'm definitely rooting for that kid. On the flip side, you have uh, a guy like Luke Wilson who played with the Seahawks and the Lions, and he's struggling for a roster spot on this team. It's likely because they took uh, Foster Moreau, the tight end out of LSU, in the fourth round that he's going to make the team and probably be one of those guys that blocks on the line. And Waller you have is more of the receiver-type tight end. So do you think Luke Wilson right now is a likely candidate to make this team. You see his story and and the history that he has. He's a veteran of the game. I mean, but in this Raiders team right now that has so many tight ends to choose from, is he going to make this team? I don't know. I think it's going to come down a lot to this uh, week, uh, week three of the preseason game against the Green Bay Packers up there in Winnipeg. And then it might even come down to just how he's playing in the fourth preseason game when a lot of the starters don't play. Um, I think that there's a lot of spots on this team that are still up for grab. For Luke Wilson, I think it's going to come down to this third preseason game against the Green Bay Packers up there in Winnipeg and Manitoba. I think that because he's a veteran, that gives him a little bit of a leg up because John Gruden appears to be more of a veteran type of coach. He likes the veteran players because they, they know more about what's going on. But also on the flip side, for Mike Mayock, a lot of the times GMs like the younger players because they're cheaper. And that's something that they can go ahead and get away with when a guy is still on his rookie deal, has not reached uh, the bested uh, veteran minimum yet, which is four years. So I think that there's still a lot of spots that are up in the air on this team. And it's going to come down to these last two weeks, whether it be how a guy is preparing in the meeting room, how is he practicing, and also the games on on the weekends. Okay, now next thing, if I'm reading Gruden's face right, I think Nate Peterman will not be Derek Carr's backup. I think we're going to end up with Mike Glennon. He seems to be separating himself. I mean, neither quarterback threw a pick in the game against Arizona. Uh, Glennon had that 53-yard pass to Rico Gafford for a touchdown. He was 11 of 14, 175 yards, two touchdowns. While Peterman came in, he was just more of a game manager at the time he came in. He was 8-8, but basically he wasn't having to make a ton of throws. So when you look at their two performances and the way that Gruden was interacting with them during this episode of Hard Knocks, who do you see as taking that backup quarterback role? I see it as Mike Glennon, simply because he's a veteran. And the thing that I've learned throughout the years in the NFL is that it's very hard to beat out a veteran quarterback in training camp or preseason because the veteran quarterback knows the ins and outs. And for most veteran quarterbacks, they know if nothing is there, just throw the check down. That's it. Just throw the check down. Don't force the ball because just like what John Gruden says, you can never go broke taking a small profit. And what he means by that is if if everything is covered, just go ahead and throw the check down. Yes, we got only three yards, but you know what? Second and seven is a lot better than second and ten. Or turnover, defense now has to come out on the field. And with Nathan Peterman still being very young and very green, when it comes to actual his actual experience in the NFL, he has not yet learned the ins and outs, the nuances of playing the backup quarterback position and actually winning that position in training camp because Nathan Peterman is still trying to make those throws. He wants to. That's why he's winding up throwing some interceptions 
in practice, things like that. But Mike Glennon, he understands the game. He understands how to play this backup quarterback game, and that's simply just take care of the ball, don't make mistakes, and be somebody that the coach can trust in if the starter goes down and you need somebody to go in there, finish off the game, but do it smartly, not make big mistakes that actually keep the team from winning. Right now, the Raiders are 2-0 and in the preseason. That's huge for this team. That's something that they really needed to be able to do to have, I think, camaraderie to build as a team. There's so many new guys here. Um, I love the part, though, with Abram, Jonathan Abram and John Gruden are having a conversation on the sideline about Rodney Harrison, <laughs> safety that played for the Patriots for quite some time. Stan, I think you know who he is. Even if Jonathan Abram didn't know who he is, how good was Rodney? <laughs> Rodney Harrison, man, that part, it got me. I loved watching Rodney Harrison play back in the day. You know, how good was he? You played against him. Yes, I did. Uh, my rookie year, we opened up the New England Patriots, and he was actually on kickoff team among, you know, starting at safety wow. like he has in his illustrious career. He was a hitter. He was also very smart in coverage. He wasn't exactly the most athletic safety, but he knew his responsibility. If it was cover two, he made sure to always stay deep. He read the quarterback. He broke on the ball. He would make his interception. He would also come up and knock your head off. He was an all-around player, and I think that for a lot of the younger guys, they may not be able to remember him as far as vividly playing because it's, you know, it's a different generation, but that's somebody that I always looked up to and I always admired how he played the game because he played the game with such a chip on his shoulder. I forget the school he went to, but I know he did not go to school in a Power 5 conference. And he always had that chip on his shoulder, and he's going to let you know whenever you catch the ball, he's going to let you know, hey, I'm right here. And when you catch this ball, I'm going to punish you for catching the ball. That way you don't feel like doing it again. And when you think about what the NFL now is and how the NFL is so gung-ho committed to the safety aspect, which I respect, Rodney Harrison would not be able to play in today's NFL. He wouldn't. Mm. And it's simply because him not being able, to play, being able to play in today's NFL is a testament to how he played the game, which was physical, aggressive, and this is man versus man. We're like gladiators out there on that field. And I think that a lot of today's players should actually go back and look at his old film because that's the way I feel the game should still be played to this day, even though I get it, I understand why the NFL is now want to put so much of the onus on safety, but also at the same time, I think that part of this game is simply intimidation. And the only way you can intimidate the next man is if you simply show him you're more of a man than he is. There were a lot of great moments, too, on this episode. Um, what did you think of Frank Caliendo's Gruden impersonation? Man, I've always been a fan of Frank Caliendo. I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of anybody that's able to do impersonations. And because that's something I've always admired because I know I can't do it. I'm nowhere <laughs> near being a comedian or anything like that. And to be able to go and on command, on at the drop of a dime, be able to morph your voice into someone else's with the mannerisms, the inflection, the dialect in their voice, that's something to me. That's just, I mean, that's a God-given talent, just like playing football, I guess. Um, so anytime Frank Caliendo is on TV, whether it be Hard Knocks or whether it be ESPN or anything like that. That's something I always marvel at because 
you can literally say, just like John Gruden said, hey, do John Madden. And he immediately went to John Madden. Do Charles Barkley. He immediately went to Charles Barkley. And then he opened up the show doing John Gruden. So I think that it was, uh, impersonators, comedians, people of, of that of that walk of life, that's always been something that I've marveled at and I'm fascinated by because I know I can't do it. Yeah, I was I was really impressed as well. I I thought at first when Derek Carr said, "Hey, let's have Gruden come up and sing," that he was lost his mind. But it was uh, turns out it was all for a, a good cause. We got to see some great comedic skills there. We got some comments from Twitter about the show. I want to get to those. So Rock Thunder Punch says about this episode that the team seemed to have a great vibe. Guys buying in like playing and being around each other. So all positivity from him. And then Mr. Marcus Seven says he thinks that the A.B. Gruden relationship is solid and team support has always been there and the drama was blown out of proportion. That could be. That could be. They're just maybe having us see one thing and, you know, really another thing's happening. I don't know. But I, I kind of got that as well. It seems it was a little bit just like the media got hold of it and it just ran. And <laughs> that happens sometimes. We know that happens. Yes, the media does get a hold of things and they run with it because you know that's the media's job they always have to have stories to produce for content uh obviously we all know about clickbait things like that that's just what the media does you know and that's something that you learn that the first time you get into the nfl nba major league baseball soccer what have you you know that the media is going to run with it that's just how it goes and i think that for john Groot, somebody who obviously has been in the media for the last decade up until last season when he came back to the Raiders, I think that he's cognizant of that, and he knows that. And I think whenever you have certain players throughout the league and even on the Raiders, in seeing a lot of the things that get drummed up in the media around Antonio Brown, some players will have an issue with that simply because, okay, are you doing some of these things for the media attention? to actually go ahead and become a polarizing figure, doing this because you want to put the target on your back and essentially putting the spotlight on you and not the team. Because just like what you hear Roger Goodell say at the State of the Union address every year that he actually gives is that no one player is larger than the shield. Mm. That's pretty much kind of like the, uh, the mission statement of the NFL is that no one player is larger than the shield. Well, also, a lot of people believe no one player should be larger than the team. That's how a lot of owners, GMs, coaches feel. And I think that with Antonio Brown, with some of his antics, I think that it will rub some of the people the wrong way because they will interpret that as him putting himself in front of, or should I say, before the team. Well, let's hope that things start turning around here. We have two more episodes of Hard Knocks left to see how this all unfolds, what will become of Antonio Brown and his saga. We'll have it all here for you on the Hard Knocks podcast next week on Tuesday. You can find, again, all the latest episodes of Vegas Nation brought to you by STN Sports Mobile Stations Casino online at ReviewJournal.com slash podcast, VegasNation.com. And, of course, on that Vegas Nation app where we keep you up to date on all Raiders news. You can find us also anywhere else you find your podcasts. But again, we'll be back next Tuesday talking all things silver and black on Hard Knocks. Don't forget to check in with us here as the Raiders face the Packers in 
Winnipeg for your game recap as well. And find us on Twitter at SRoute. That's with two T's, 26 on Twitter. And I am at Heidi Fang. For Stan, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>